Good morning, my name is Kyle, and if you have a Bible, turn to that passage in Deuteronomy. We are continuing on a short little series on abiding in Christ, which I opened last week by talking about uh, the necessity of abiding. And this week we're going to talk about uh, a way to abide, how we abide, and learning to abide, and that is through the practice of Sabbath. Now I realize that as soon as I say Sabbath, it sounds completely arcane and maybe irrelevant to most of us here today. Uh, we maybe think of, I don't know, Quakers or something like that, and it just doesn't, doesn't ring for us to be something that really, really something we need or something we should do. But it's fascinating that even though it feels kind of maybe like the most irrelevant command to um, modern Christians, uh, it's actually one of the commands that's emphasized the most. Amongst the Ten Commandments, more ink is spilled on the Sabbath command than any other one. And in Exodus 31, 13, God says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Above all else, keep my Sabbaths. Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament scholar, says that the Sabbath is the most difficult and the most urgent command for us today. And I believe that that's absolutely true. I think that it's most the difficult and the most urgent. And, and the reason I think so is because I, I hope to convince you that there's nothing more relevant to abiding in Christ than the practice of Sabbath. Well, on that note, let me pray for us. Good shepherd, you make us to lie down next to still waters. Cause us to lie down now, to rest and to drink from that fountain of the water of life, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, there was a comic strip that was out a few years ago that went viral, and it's of a um, couple sitting on a beach, and the, uh, the wife is reading a book, and the man is there, and he is working on a computer. And the caption to this comic strip says, I'm not a workaholic, I just work to relax. You're supposed to laugh at that. But there's a reason I think we don't laugh, isn't there? And that is, it hits a little too close to home for some of us. I know it does for me. I, just a word to the wise. Those of you who are thinking about getting married, some of you are getting married very soon, right? I just want to give a, a pro tip. Not for me. A friend told me about this. But listen, do not, do not submit a project for uh, your grad school, like in the sanctuary of the chapel in which you're about to get married an hour or so before. Like, just not very good, right? Uh, I, I don't know this from personal experience, but a friend told me about this. You don't want to do it. It gets the marriage started off on a, you know, not a good foot. Um, the reality is, is that work, it, it, it has started to invade more and more and more of our lives. It seems like, in fact, the more technology we have, the more flexibility we have. We can do our work from, from anywhere, right? We have so much flexibility. We can do our work from 
the coffee shop. We can do our work from home. We can do our work from the beach. We can do our work from the gym. I, I have a smartwatch. I can even give and get and receive text when I am on a surfboard in the middle of the ocean. Uh, we can do our work from anywhere. Isn't it great? We can do our work from anywhere. And we do. I'm not so sure if it's that we have the freedom and flexibility to do work from anywhere or if it's that work has the freedom and flexibility to follow us anywhere. Even on vacation, like when I, I'm corresponding with a, a, someone I was doing business with and they're writing me from their vacation in Hawaii, closing the refinance on my home. I'm like, what are you doing? You're on vacation. But I did the same thing. It's like work has, has encroached on every aspect of our lives. And let's be honest, Joshua mentioned earlier, it's leaving us tired we have Q-tips in our eyes, and we're exhausted. And if only we could have a day off. If only we could have a day off. We'd take it, right? Did you know that um, America has the fewest paid days off out of any development, uh, developed country in the world? And did you know that America also is the country where uh, that has the most unpaid vacation days, untaken vacation days in the developed world. Not only are we given less days off, we don't even take the days off that we're given. That's why companies like, like from Procore to Netflix can, can, tell their, uh, can tell their employees, you know what, you can have unlimited vacation because they know that we're not going to take it. I've talked to some of you. I know you cash in your vacation days at the end of the year. Mine just keep piling up and piling up and piling up. There's a satirical um, newspaper, The Onion. You might have heard of it. It had this line, this headline once, and it said, uh, Super laid-back company allows employees to work from home after 6.30. I mean, we'll give you whatever vacation you want as long as you get your work done and do it all the time and you're available all the time in every way. Hey, we'll even combine work and play. We'll give you a gym at work. We'll give you a cafeteria at work. Uh, we'll give you a masseuse at work. You can have leisure and work just combined and work just goes everywhere. Have you noticed that um, the sitcoms that I grew up with you probably haven't noticed this if you're not my age, but if you are, the sitcoms that I grew up with in the 80s and 90s, where were they all centered? Like, where, where were they set? Family Ties. Full House. Uh, the thing, like, you know, the one with Tony Danza. The, think about these sitcoms. Where, where were they all set? Friends, even. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Family Matters. In the home. And what about the sitcoms the most popular sitcoms of the last decade or so. Think about 30 Rock, or Parks and Rec, or The Office. Where are they set? All right, I gave it to you. The Office. The Office is taking a more and more central place in our lives. It's like we don't have boundaries. It's like boundaries are getting, getting wiped away, and yet, and yet, 
here in Exodus 5, I mean, here in Deuteronomy 5, God sets a boundary on work. Look at verses 13 and 14. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On that day you shall not do any work. God sets limits on work. He sets a pattern for work and rest. And note, please, that the commandment starts off, six days you shall labor. God is not against work. I should say that on the Labor Day weekend. God is not against work. God is for work. God is a worker. God created work. God works. And work is given to glorify him, and he's given for our good, and it's how we image him. Work is a wonderful thing when it's in its proper place. But God sets limits on work. Why? We don't have to wonder. Look at verses, look at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why did God command the Israelites to keep a Sabbath day? A day that was set apart, holy and distinct to him. One out of six, or one out of seven. So that they could remember their redemption. That they were slaves in Egypt. You see, you have to know that and remember that Israel, when they received this command, had just come out of the land of Egypt. And when they were in the land of Egypt, the work conditions were not good. If you want to know something about the work conditions, then go read Exodus chapter 5 a little later on. Uh, Let me just read for you. Some of the voices that they heard, the voice of the taskmaster that the Israelites heard, And Pharaoh said to them, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. You shall by no means reduce the work, for they are idle. Let the heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it. Your work will not be reduced in the least. Complete your work, your daily task each day. Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday? You are idle. You are idle. Go now and work. In Pharaoh's system, there are no holidays. There are no days off. And there's certainly not a Sabbath. It was work, work, work. Why? Well, it's really easy. The Israelites were slaves. And that meant to Pharaoh, their complete and total worth, their value was totally bound up with, completely bound up with what they produced. If they didn't produce anything, they were no good to him. If they did not meet Pharaoh's ends, they were no good to Pharaoh. You better produce. And if you don't, you're nothing. You know, we are a long way from Egypt. We are a long way from Egypt, but I think I can still hear Pharaoh's voice. I wonder about you. I wonder if you hear Pharaoh's voice. You better produce. 
you better make the grades. You better make the paycheck. You better climb the ladder. You, you better make sure that your kids have their best life now, that they get in and go to the right schools. You better make sure that, that you make the most of, of all your leisure time and your recreation. But, your work shall not be reduced in the least. Even when we do well, we hear the voice, and now you better take on more. It's like it never stops. In the morning, we get up and we hear the voice, complete your work, your daily task each day. And at night when we go to bed, we hear Pharaoh's accusation. Why have you not done all your tasks today and yesterday? Why didn't you make the call or send the email? Why didn't you set up that play date for your kid? Or sign them up for this event. Why isn't your sermon done? And then we feel the shame. You are idle. You are idle. You are lazy. Go now and work. You know how I know that it's not just me that hears this voice, but it's you that hears this voice? You know when I hear the voice most loudly? When we ask each other how we're doing. Do you notice, how, how do people used to answer that? How are you doing? Fine. That was the most common answer. What's the most common answer to that today? How are you doing? Busy. I mean, it's manic. I was just listening to myself this week. People asked me how I was doing, and I just started rattling off, you know? Well, I had this event and this event and this event, and man, coming back from sabbatical, it's just loaded on, and there's been this, that, and the other. I mean, I, I'm just busy. And you are too. And we are. We are busy. We are busy. But, but think about that for a second. We have replaced fine with busy. We have equated fine with busy because I think deep down we think if we are busy, we are fine. We're not saying to somebody else, I'm in trouble. We're saying to somebody else, I'm doing it right. I'm hustling. And think about it for a second. We have not only replaced fine with busy, we have replaced the question, how are you, with what we do, with what we produce. Someone asks, how are you doing? And we answer by saying, this is what I am doing. It's why we measure our success so often in terms of productivity. And we wonder why we can't take our vacation days. When we've equated who we are to what we do. When we are operating according to Pharaoh's economy. But I've got good news for you this morning. Oh, tired, weary souls like me, I have good news. It doesn't have to be like that. In comes the Sabbath. The Sabbath comes and it reminds the Israelites that they aren't slaves anymore. Remember that you were, past tense, slaves in Egypt. But it is not that way anymore. God is saying that with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, I have brought you out of Pharaoh's economy and into a new economy. 
While it may have been that in Pharaoh's economy, your worth was completely and totally bound up with what you do, I want you to know that you have been brought into my new economy of love and grace, where you are my liberated, free, beloved children. And what you do is not bound up with what you produce. And in order for you to know that, so that you know that, just take a day off and know that when you don't produce anything, you are not loved any less or any more. You are not defined by what you do anymore. You are defined by what I have done. That's what the Sabbath comes and says to the liberated children of God. Remy uh, Brock is a um, historian and a philosopher, and he recently, well, it was a few years ago now, he commented on the Ten Commandments and said, the Ten Commandments help the liberated from falling back into the bad moral habits of slaves, and thus help a free people remain faithful to the logic of their liberation. The Ten Commandments help a liberated people, a people who have already been liberated, to not live like slaves anymore and not fall back into those habits. And I think that is especially true of the Sabbath. The Sabbath helps a liberated people, the liberated sons and daughters of God, from not living like they are slaves anymore. I recently recently read a book on trauma. and, And a lot of what it talked about was the effects of like PTSD in people. And I was reading it, and as I was looking at it, one of the things that it talks about is, is one of the major effects of PTSD is the inability to distinguish between, especially in our bodies, the past and the present. So, for instance, you know, someone approaches you, and you can't distinguish that from what happened in the past when someone approached you. Uh, you hear uh, you hear a firework, and you can't distinguish that from a gunshot that you might have heard in the past. And, and, and it gets visceral; it's all the way down into our bodies. And that one of the one of the points of recovery, one of the the things that happens in recovery, is that um, people who are recovering are able to then distinguish between that was then and this is now. So even if we are not clinically diagnosed with PTSD, and I know some of you have have experienced this to to less and greater degrees, you feel it in your bodies, the nerves and everything else, um, flashbacks, whatever, and it's, it's horrible. But even if we are not diagnosed with clinical PTSD, I think that we all suffer from a form of spiritual PTSD. Or we have been rocked by the fall. Enslaved to abusive masters. And we have a hard time distinguishing between what was then and what is now. You see, God gives Israel the Sabbath because he knows that while you can take the Israelite out of Egypt, it's hard to take Egypt out of the Israelite. While you can remove Israel from the voice of Pharaoh externally, it's hard to remove Pharaoh's internal voice. And so he gives the Sabbath that that Israelites might know that they are not in that situation anymore. 
The Sabbath is both a day and a disposition. It's a day that we set apart, that we say, I'm not going to produce anything. And the day cultivates a disposition. I am not loved or worthy based on what I do or do not do or what I produce or do not produce. It's also a disposition that helps us to enter a day. Because I am not loved based on what I do or what I have done or what I produce, then I can enter this day and receive the gift. By ceasing from productivity, we learn that we are loved and cared for without regard to our productivity. And when I say that, I mean all forms of productivity, not just paid labor. I mean every single way in which we tally up whether or not we are actually doing life right. You know what I'm talking about. That's like, it's even leisure. I'm talking about the Fitbit. I'm talking about every day, every way in which we tally up and calc, account and calculate whether or not we are doing life right. And God says, cease from that. Cease from trying to get all the experiences and not have FOMO. Cease from trying to make all the money. Cease from trying to, to have the, the most kind of successful family life ever. Just, just cease from it. Just stop and rest. And know that you are more than what you produce. You are more than your do- job title. You are more than your degrees. You are more than your kid's happiness. And you are more than your bank balance. And you are even more than how you keep the Sabbath. See, there, there are kind of two equal and opposite dangers to Sabbath that actually have the same root. One is busyness and this incessant need to produce, but the other is legalism, which is just another form of productivity. Let me do this so I can make sure that I have a good Sabbath, so I can please God, so I can make my life count. And both of those have their roots in this sense that we have to do and be and produce to be loved. And God says, stop. Stop. Aaron uh, Collin was a once dubbed the most powerful woman on Wall Street. She was the CFO of the Lehman Brothers during the turbulent time of the 2007-2008 um, financial uh, downturn. And, uh, and she once reflected on her relationship with work a few years later after the, the downturn and the crash. She said, I didn't start off with the goal of devoting all of myself to my job. It crept in over time. First, I spent half an hour on Sunday organizing my email to-do list and calendar to make Monday morning easier. Then I was working a few hours on Sunday and then all day. My boundaries slipped away until work was all that was left. Inevitably, when I left my job, it devastated me. I couldn't just move on. I did not know how to value who I was versus what I did. Listen to that. What I did was who I was. Without the financial crisis, I may never have been strong enough to step away. Perhaps I needed what felt at the time like some of my worst experiences in my life to come to a place where I could be grateful for the life that I have. What 
what she's saying is not only did work take over my life so that who I was was equated with what I did, she's also saying that one of the gracious things, most gracious things, best things that could have happened to her was for this financial crash to happen where she lost her job and her worst, worst nightmares and experiences kind of came true. And then she realized that she could be grateful for all that was already given. I think that's what the Sabbath does. I think the Sabbath comes and it intervenes in our obsessive and codependent relationship with work, and God says, Stop. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am your Heavenly Father and you are my beloved and liberated children. Be still. And know that everything that needs to be done has already been done. And everything you do is just bonus. The Sabbath is a day when we can delight in what's been given rather than pine for what is not. That's why Sabbath, and Pam has helped me see this, is not a day for scrolling and shopping and striving. It's a day to receive the gift and to rest in the gift and delight in the gift and say, it is okay, just how it is. Everything that needs to be done is done. It's a day when we can hear another voice. The voice of Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 127, 2 says, It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for the Lord gives sleep to his beloved. You know, I wrote that last night, 1130 preparing the sermon. It is vain that you rise up early and go to rest late, eating the bread of anxious toil, for the Lord gives sleep to his beloved. There was this old country song when I was in high school, and it was, um, it was really beautiful and amazing. It said, uh, I'm in a hurry to get things done. You've probably heard this. I rush and rush. It's kind of cheesy. Until life's no fun, all I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I think that's one of the most profound things for a Christian to hear because that is so true. All that you and I really have to do is live in Jesus and die in Jesus. And hear the voice that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And hear the voice that cried out on the cross, it is finished. Exodus and Deuteronomy both record the Ten Commandments, but they record them in slightly different ways. In Deuteronomy, it, it, it roots the rationale for the Sabbath command in the redemption of God's people. I've redeemed you. But, but in, in Exodus, it's different. In Exodus says, you keep the Sabbath because God kept the Sabbath. You keep the Sabbath because God worked for six days, and then he finished his work, blessed 
it, said it is good and rested. In other words, Genesis says the reason why you you do the Sabbath is to imitate God, who is really mimicking us. God doesn't need rest. God is like the God is like the parent who lays down with the child for a nap to help them go to sleep, even though the parent doesn't need a nap, but the child does. But the child doesn't know how to go to sleep, so they lay down with him. God lays down and he says, hey, do what I do. And what did God do? God looked at his own finished work and he said, it is good. And it is enough. And I am satisfied. And do you know what we do on the Sabbath? We look at God's finished work. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross And we say, it is a good, and it is enough, and I am satisfied. And so the Sabbath comes and tells students, your hours in the library on a Sunday afternoon and the grade on Monday morning's paper are not ultimately what are going to make you flourish. So you can give up. You can go to college lunch. You can not go to college lunch. You can sit on the beach. The Sabbath comes and says to you college students, it is finished. The Sabbath comes to parents and tells parents that AYSO soccer, it's not going to make your kids flourish. It's not going to help them have a happy and fulfilling life. And so you, you can just not go to the Sunday games. You could go worship. You could go as a family to the beach. You could sit and rest. You could not be driven from one, one game to the next, to the next, to the next. Because your kid's flourishing. I've already got that taken care of. It's finished. And it says to pastors like me. You don't have to send the other email or make sure that you're responsive to the call or stay up hours on end trying to write the perfect sermon. The Lord knows how to take care of his sheep and it is enough. And so there's a lot more that I could say about the Sabbath. I, talk, I could talk about the distinctiveness of it, and I could talk about how it should be distinct and dedicated and a delight. I could talk about more about the dangers of uh, legalism and busyness. I could, uh, I could go on and tell you uh, about ways in which, um, ways in which uh, the Sabbath is the perfect day to come to worship with God's people and just sit and receive and rest and how, how leisure doesn't do that. I could tell you about all these things, but you know what? I'm not. Because I, I'm going to hear the voice. It's enough. So rest. Rest in Jesus today. Amen.